0: Yeah, I was telling people, like, this is going to change the world, you know, I don't understand why more people aren't talking about this, this is going to tear the education industry apart, this is going to make content production redundant, like, and after a couple of weeks of this, I was like, why is nobody talking about this? Like, why why do I sound like the, like the village loon mm. kind of ranting about this piece of tech? Like, why is nobody else freaking about this?
1: back to the Creative Files podcast. Today I have Josh Pizzales and he has been doing AI since before it took off but relative to everybody else in the space he feels like he's a little late to the game but from my perspective he has been in it for long enough to really kind of see the changes and know what's going on here and I really love the way he's looking at it in my opinion very objectively because a lot of people I've talked to they are so far on one side of the spectrum of either feeling like AI is perfect, or feeling like it's useless. And I really like the way Josh is looking at it. So tell us about your background.
0: It's it's really nice to speak to people who are interested in uh, what AI can do, as opposed to being staunchly for it or against it. Because, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a, a really high-valence topic. Like, people are on one side or the other yeah. about this. I didn't get into it. We kind of fell into it, which is perhaps uh, slightly different from how other people started projects, um, in the space. We, uh, Sasha, my co-founder and I, uh, we run, uh, cheer App, which is a Twitter scheduling platform. Um, and we've, uh, together we haven't run it for a while. Sasha's run it, uh, for a really long time, 2017, I think back when Twitter was still 140 characters. <laughs> um, and With recent management changes in Twitter, uh, it has become a more volatile space to run a business. Once all of these kind of changes to Twitter started happening, I think that changed people's view on the long-term viability of investing in Twitter as a marketing channel. Mm. And that means if you are a business, do you really want to be forking out money to um, pay for products or infrastructure to help you market on Twitter, which is what we are? So people lost confidence in the platform or at least it was shaky for a little while there and then I think that kind of put all spending on related Twitter products and marketing on pause and we were like, oh, uh, we might make it out of this alive, um, but we should probably take a couple of our eggs and put them in some other baskets because who knows where this will go or do we want to change everything completely and like turn this into one of those hub and spoke scheduling platforms where, you know, you've got like 15 different social media platforms and I don't think we were really in a position to compete with people like Buffer and Hootsuite who, you know, established in the spaces. Like, what, what are we going to offer that they haven't been offering for decades at this point? Generative AI was the most interesting game in town. When I first bumped into it, it it felt like when I first bumped into Facebook, back when you still had to have a, um, a college address to get in. Oh, Wow. It it has been so long since I've used a piece of tech, and I went, "Wow, this feels really interesting." Because everything, you know, we've we've kind of, I don't know. I feel like the tech as a space has kind of hit diminishing returns (laughs) in the last decade.
1: Yeah, and uh, so something new made you feel really excited.
0: and, And it was, it was like nobody knew what you could do with it and you try different things out and you get these crazy responses. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, This was, yeah, this was early 2022. Okay. So from other people who have been around for GPT-1, GPT-2, I only came in at GPT-3 and quite late, like this is like six, eight months before ChatGPT came out and then the whole world freaked out. What were your thoughts? I lost my mind. I was like, I couldn't shut up about it. I was telling, I was trying to name uh, people's children, like come up with baby names. I was trying to like redesign friends' menus. I, like there was every single thing that would come up in conversation. I was like, let me try ChatGPT." Uh, chat uh. It was GPT 3 at the time. But like, you saw all that.
1: the possibilities for it. Just every single just, thing you thought about
0: yeah I, I tried to play dungeons and dragons with it i uh, like i i did there was there was no boundaries at the time amazing and yeah i was telling people like this is going to change the world you know i don't understand why more people aren't talking about this this is going to tear the education industry apart this is going to make content production redundant like and after a couple of weeks of this i was like why is nobody talking about this like why why do I sound like the like the village loon mm. kind of ranting about this piece of tech? Like, why is nobody else freaking about this? And the, the developer forum for open AI at the time was surprisingly quiet. Like, I went on and I was, like, really excited about, it, like, wow, this is amazing. Like, uh, are there stories of people who have completely transformed their work and their Um, professional, like, like, how has this transformed people's lives? It was was kind of crickets. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of conversations about, It was lots of developer conversations about technical implementation, but not a lot of stories about this fundamentally changing people's lives. And I was really confused. And I just kind of went, okay, there's probably something I'm missing here. I just got a bit too excited and I kind of put it on the back burner. So it wasn't uh, just
1: friends and family and people that weren't familiar with tech. It was even people in the AI space were like, yeah, what? I mean, what was their attitude on it? Were they indifferent? Were they just hesitant? What do you think? I,
0: I, I don't want to say they weren't excited about it. I just didn't feel like they matched my enthusiasm. Okay. Like I thought this was going to be like a world changing technology. And people were discussing, like, different ways to implement it and, like, how to optimize it. And I was like, what? This? What? Shouldn't we be, like, having conferences about this thing? Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't this be blowing up? So I think it was more like I was surprised at the difference in the kind of general conversation around it and kind of what I felt and what I thought. Okay. Um, and that was really confusing. So I didn't really know what to do about it. So I just kind of put it down. I was like, maybe this is just a fad and maybe it – maybe. Maybe it's really good at doing a couple of things really well, uh, which gets you excited initially, but maybe it just doesn't work long-term. So I'll just keep playing with it and shut up for a while because people are getting tired of me Mm -hmm. talking about chat uh, GPT-3. And it's also a mouthful as well. Like, it's not easy to... GPT-3 is... (laughs) You try and use the longer version. Yeah, it's not (laughs) easy to talk about. But then comes November and the world freaks out. Like, they changed the interface slightly. People could start to use it. So I think the the real shift with chat GPT was that um, before you had to use it in a sandbox and it was quite technical. And I suppose I just didn't realize how technical that barrier was Uh. coming from an engineering background. And then as soon as they made it a a chat interface, suddenly everyone started using it and here we are.
1: You get all excited and then you lose that excitement because it isn't matched. And maybe, maybe it had limitations that you're noticing and then everybody else gets all excited. And yes. then did that make you excited again? Or did you think, no, I'm way ahead of you. I already realized that it's not as big of a deal as it seems like. Where were you at no excitement no. level? I,
0: I, I just felt hugely vindicated. And I called everyone out. I was like, I told you. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> it is world changing. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 I was very excited. I felt like I was sane again. I was like, oh, this matches what I felt. And like, you okay. know, I didn't feel a lone loon. There are life cycles, there are natural patterns to these kinds of tech. And if we all figure out how to make content really fast, but it's junk, then people are just going to get really bored of it. It's, it it kind of cannibalizes itself and Absolutely. Just stuff that people have an aversion to. So it felt like we were just a little bit ahead of the curve because we were engineers. And it didn't feel like a good long-term strategy to get invested in like g- generating rubbish that nobody wants to read because it's it, it's not going to have a very long life cycle mm-hmm. like and it wasn't very interesting i mean it's, it's amazing that it can create loads of text but then who wants to read it like you actually read the text and you're like wow this is tough to get to the end of like mm-hmm. this is an inspiring prose at that point so th- those were options we were kind of on the back burner we weren't sure what to do uh, the twitter situation was getting worse uh, so, I went out and I started interviewing different people, um, and we started with, I don't know if we started, but where we, we kind of ended up was interviewing people uh, who run podcasts, and I think the, the jump for us was Twitter is a text-only space, um, so no images needed, and podcasting is, uh, it's not text-only, it's work, it's not image-related. Yes. Um, so it's a, a non visual platform. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so we thought if there is something that we can if we can repurpose chair or if we can extend it in some way, we're probably going to have a better chance of doing it with another non visual medium like podcasting um, rather than having to go into creating visual editors. And like that's a lot of work from a technical uh, point of view. So yeah. I started interviewing um, People who run podcasts asking them what takes up the most time of their day what uh, what their biggest challenges are kind of how they slice up their time on a day-to-day basis on a month-to-month basis and i got quite a few interviews i was um, pleasantly surprised with the it's... amount of people that worked.
1: so you're just trying to get information at this point you're not trying to get on their podcasts or them interview them on yeah. an actual podcast publicly you're just wanting feedback is that right
0: Absolutely. This was just pure customer discovery. Cool. Uh, we had a little bit of time where I could go out and understand what real problems were. I think the biggest problem when you're in the startup space is, is building a solution that nobody wants. Um, so I was really trying to understand what actual problems were for people that ran podcasts, given that I haven't run a podcast and I don't know much about the space and there were lots of different little bits of feedback, but the, the one that we kept hearing, hearing again that felt like it was really important is people who've run podcasts for a while have years and years of like incredible ideas or huge amounts of research that they've, that they've put into this, to to this show. And this is quality thought um, condensed into however many episodes they have. And then they have to go out and they have to like do all of this marketing stuff where they have to like, you know, Take out little snippets or create like a little ebook or create a little course or create a little guide or (laughs) do a little workshop based on all of the stuff that they've already said. And they're like why isn't there just a product where I can just dump all of my episodes in and it figures out how to promote it for me. It takes the best ideas and turns them into tweets or it creates a little guidebook for me. Like why isn't that possible yet? Like why do I have to do all of this work research Uh, do all of this work, do all of this research, speak to all of these amazing people, and then spend the same amount of time, if not more, promoting those ideas. Um, And there was this general sense of exasperation that felt like it was a fertile space to at least try and build something better than what we have at the moment. From there, we were like, okay, what could AI do to help with this problem? It feels like a really good match, like given what GPT-3 could do at the time, I think this might have even been before gpd 3.5 came out definitely before gpd4 came out surely surely we can do better than, than 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 what there is and we started kind of putting an mvp together and we realized that like the central crux of this product was chaining prompts together so you would have one series of instructions uh, you would get a result, and then you would kind of take that result and put that into another prompt, and then you get another output, and then you'd kind of fold that back into another prompt, and you kind of build these complex workflows uh, in order to try and get um, different things out of the content, whether it was text content or whether we would transcribe it and then um, drop the transcription in. And as we started building it, we were like, oh, there's nothing about this architecture that needs to be limited to podcasts. Mm. Like there's absolutely no reason that we should build a product that only does this for podcasts. We're, f- we're essentially building a utility that lets you chain prompts together to build workflows. So we took a step back and said, <laughs> if we if we limit this to podcasts, by the time we get it out. AI will probably release something else at the speed that it was releasing stuff at the time. And the entire business would be completely redundant. Uh, So why don't we just build a utility that lets people chain prompts together, which is what Daisy Chain is, which is what we ultimately went with. And that's kind of how we went from, we're doing fine. We just run a small Twitter scheduling platform to we're in trouble to let's find a way to apply this. Uh, That that was kind of like the trajectory and that's kind of where we are now. The, The product is out of beta. Um, and we're still trying to figure out who it's ideal for, who it's perfect for, because yeah, there's some, there's some trade-offs with building prompt chains and this kind of, a you have to be fairly, uh, well-versed in the space to even know what a prompt chain is. So yeah, there's a little bit of a barrier there, but we've, you know, we, we built a product out to the point where we're using it. And I think the, the, the like we've fallen into the trap of (laughs) building a solution to a problem that nobody has, which is like this recurring theme for people to build um, tech solutions. We started off with a really clear problem, built a solution for that problem, uh, and then realized that it was so much more versatile than just that one problem. So now the question is, do we go back to podcasts and be like, okay, this tool is really just for you? uh, Or do we... Position it for teachers, or do we position it for marketing mm-hmm. executives? Or do we position and we've been trying it out with different types of people who have different types of needs, um, and we're not really sure who the best person is yet.
1: I imagine it could be very useful for a lot of people. How has it worked for podcasters so far?
0: Uh, the problem that we ran into when we ran when I tried to apply it back to podcasting is that there is no... Uh, you'd think that you just put together a couple of repurposing prompts and you drop a podcast episode in and you would get all of this social content. Um, and where that broke down is the format of the podcast. So there, were, there seemed to be no silver bullet prompt mm-hmm. for every type of podcast. So if you were a 15-minute news podcast that had like loads of little clips, the prompt wouldn't extract relevant information in the same way that it would is if you were a 45-minute, you know, emotional story arc of one person going on some kind of an adventure and, you know, some revelation at the end. Um, or if it's a panel discussion where you have multiple different people uh, speaking, completely breaks down again. So we couldn't just say, here's a really cool set of prompts that you can just throw a podcast episode into and then get all of your social content, it was like there's this intermediary step where you have to customize the prompts to your podcast or the type of um, content that you're dropping into it. Yeah. Which means that you have to kind of learn the principles of prompting and how, how that works, uh, which is no small hurdle. Um, and I, th- I suppose the ideal thing to do would have been just to create a menu of different prompt options for people to start at. I haven't got to that point yet. Uh, what I have done is kind of reviewed all of the best practices and um, tricks or uh, approaches to designing prompts that we've kind of put together as a an online community since, I'm gonna say since November, but it's, it you know, it started a lot Before Mm ChatGPT became famous, so there's these kind of these emerging um, rubrics and and uh, uh, approaches to getting more out of generative AI uh, models, Um, and it's a really good time to consolidate what the principles are because OpenAI and Anthropic just released like best practices guides, so they effectively did all of the work of taking all of the best practices from people who do this all the time and said, "Okay, here's how we think. It's not an exhaustive list, but here's how we think you should write prompts or here's how you can get the most out of your prompts. Um, And for the rest of us, this is fantastic because instead of saying, oh, I'm some expert in this incredibly new space where nobody is an expert um, (laughs) and I think you should do this, this and this, we can actually just point to the official docs now and say, actually, this is one of the, you know, core six principles, or you should probably write prompts like this, you know, the official doc says, and it just makes it easier to have conversations by being able to point to a credible source.
1: Yeah. So you wrote a really interesting blog post, or actually a few that I came across, and I definitely did not get the impression that you were claiming to be an expert or know everything about the industry, even though I would consider you an expert, but... Did you write those before or after those official documents came out?
0: So I had notes um, and then I published it after the official docs came out because I was like, oh, perfect. This gives me like uh, a position to write this from now yeah. where I can just, you know, point all credibility to the official docs as opposed to um pretending they came from me and I didn't necessarily know exactly where each of the approaches or strategies came from. So you were right uh,
1: though, for the most part, you found that your notes matched pretty well. You were able to use the official documents to kind of validify your notes. Is that right?
0: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not taking credibility for coming up with different ways. I just, uh, copy and pasted, um, different oh. techniques from different courses or different blog posts or different community discussions. Uh, so I was just hoarding, um, different people's approaches. Uh, okay. And I think both Anthropic and OpenAI have done a really, really good job of consolidating all of that information into, it's it's quite a lot of, um, really like you have to spend an afternoon going through it all. So with the blog post where I summarized both of them, it was really trying to come up with a shorthand that you can remember when you're writing a prompt as opposed to having a list of 156 things that you kind of have to run through and like, oh, am I I doing this? Am I doing, oh, could I do, you know, like you can get into the weeds there, but I think just having a couple of different things in the back of your head when you're writing a prompt can take you from a rubbish prompt to a decent prompt. And then if you want to put, you know, another hour into it and get it to, you know, the perfect prompt, you can. But I think that in most cases is a waste of time.
1: Right. And you also we've talked about this quite a bit so far um, before we started recording too, is that you put a lot of emphasis on like finding that point, the 80, 20 point of when does do you get diminishing returns and you should just kind of cut your losses and not cut your losses, but but stop trying to to get everything out of it. At what point have you gotten the 80% of the value from the prompts or from whatever using the AI for and, that, and then then you're going to spend, you know, double the time to only get that last 20%. You focus on sure. that a lot. And have you have you do you feel like you have found that point or you're still trying to discover that point?
0: I think the point is constantly shifting. Mm. So I'm happy with where I am right now. Okay. I don't feel the need to go out and like read the latest book on prompt design techniques and, you know, spend two days getting lost in the details. I'm happy with what I get out of ChatGPT, when I kind of sit down with it for twenty minutes and, and you know get into a conversation, um, but I'm I, I I have my ear to the ground because I know that as models change, or as people figure things out, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a moving landscape.
1: You're also trying to figure out, you know, how much should other people be putting into their prompts, right? Like, should we spend an hour feeding it things, or should we spend two hours feeding it things for a certain process.
0: I guess my fixation with this idea of how much time do you spend doing something just comes from working in a tech startup space because mm-hmm. time and attention are the the, the most um, valuable resources and you really have to be deliberate about, yes, we could build all of these features and make it look really, really pretty, but we only have so much time. So we have to like make ruthless decisions about what, we're going to build at the expense of what and I think that's the the <laughs> that's the calculation that constantly comes up it's like what am I going to do at the expense of all of these other things and I think when you're writing prompts out the calculation isn't very different like do I want to spend 20 minutes getting good enough or you know yes I mean yeah. can I? especially when I first discovered it I would spend hours trying to have conversations with this thing and understanding how far I'd go but then once you start to use it for more practical use cases, you just kind of want to get good enough as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. So we are going to do a challenge on creator files and this one is going to be hopefully the most specific one we've done so far, I guess, to the exclusion of the one Ricky did. Ricky's 30 day YouTube publishing challenge was pretty specific. And if you're into YouTube and you haven't watched or listened to that one yet, check it out because it was really cool. But we're going to do like a really hardcore in-depth challenge um, with Josh and we're going to figure out as well as we can, how to make a process around repurposing content. Really excited about this. We have a lot of, um, a pretty good framework here. Actually, we haven't made a lot of decisions yet. Kind of wanted to bring you behind the scenes before we did because Josh came up with, um, a full document of questions and possible goals we could have around this challenge, but we are thinking we're going to work together for about a month. We're going to, we're going to see what happens. That's the plan right now. And just try to make like some repeatable processes for other people. So let's get into that success metrics. We want to decide on what would constitute as a success for this challenge. And I think that will of course depend on what platform we decide to use it for. So we're Mm -hmm. thinking of like, you know, probably written content um, because there's a lot of potential with visual content, but written content's a better place to start. We're thinking we could do it with blog posts, potentially YouTube community posts. Some ideas we have are compiling a list of articles and courses and resources um, on this topic, on repurposing content, and then kind of going through that and deciding which frameworks and which philosophies we want to emulate and which ones we value and then designing prompts based on that.
0: That my initial, like sat down, thought about this, uh, how are we going to do this? And it became glaringly obvious that I don't know what makes good repurposed content, like a lot of people that say repurpose your content, just say repurpose your content. They Mm -hmm. don't tell you how to do it. I have no idea what makes repurposed content good or terrible. Yeah. Like I, 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 I know it when I see it,
1: but
0: yeah. <laughs> from that I don't understand the principles. I can't articulate, I can't put together a rubric that says, oh, content that's been repurposed really well follows, you know, these seven points yeah. or ranks this way. And I would really like to build that rubric out. And there are lots of people that have been thinking about this for a long time. I'm sure there are greater ideas out there that just need to kind of be re-examined Given that we now have AI, like I think the incentive to re-examine that and put it into some kind of template or uh, rubric um, is really high because now we have this really smart intern that works for virtually virtually free that everyone has access to that we can kind of take these little mini instructions and kind of apply them to uh, work processes. Um, And I haven't done that yet. I do have lots of bookmarks from over the years and I do... I've bought a bunch of courses that I've not necessarily got to the end of. And if we don't find a better way to start, or if you don't, like, if we don't find the perfect uh, set of philosophies on what makes uh, repurposed content excellent or terrible, I think having examples of both is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I can definitely start with, you know, in the list that I've, well, I haven't actually put the list together, but I do have like a folder full of, these are courses that will probably have very useful information on this topic.
1: It's interesting because, I mean, we do that every day of just trying to figure out what makes good content, you know, not specifically for repurposing current content, but it's the same idea is, you know, what principles really make good content? And then trying to figure out which ones are relevant to AI is a completely different problem, you know, because a lot of it is concepts that I think humans can understand and work on their craft and keep repeatedly practicing until they're, you know, they get it well, you know, because you can explain the concept and then they can work on it until they really get it. And they don't often really get it until they have practiced it and had a little Mm. bit of the trial and error, but it's a completely different mission to try to, to boil it down so precisely that you can feed it to a computer that doesn't have time to learn, you know, anything other than what you teach it and then get the result out of that. It, It almost feels like an amazing challenge for us because we have to simplify it. We can't rely on human intuition to kind of take it and be creative with the ideas and the strategies and the tactics We have to really really boil it down to something concrete which i'm excited to try to do so
0: one approach that i've had some success with so far not for content repurposing but just for evaluating content um in general um is to use ai for evaluation and this is a use case that has come up a lot in the education space um but i feel doesn't get talked about enough in the content marketing space given how good it is at evaluating Um, so specifically what i did uh, when we first started daisy chain and we were thinking about the product a really big question was how are people actually using this so i worked with a a small team of writers and we went out and we tried to find as many stories and use cases of people using AI in different industries. Oh, I say AI, I mean generative AI, mm-hmm. it becomes synonymous. I realize AI is a much bigger um, Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Um, how are people using ChatGPT or other LLMs uh, in different industries? And they would go out, they would do some research and then we would kind of get on a call and we would tell each other what we found. And then we needed to take that and turn it into a blog post i'm not an seo expert uh, but the people i was working with were more researchers they had like little to no experience uh with producing content or seo content um so what i did is i went to google webmasters guidelines on helpful content they have like uh maybe like 30 bullet points of what you should be focusing on if you're going to produce content for humans okay Um, and these are not like technical things you know, there's a whole bunch of technical specs that you can follow if you're in the SEO space and you're like, oh, you have to do this with the code and you have to put rich snippets in and blah, blah, blah. But this was more, um, how to think about your content if you're writing it for humans and the better it is for humans, the more we will value it as Google. And this is on Google's webmaster page. So it's, you know, it's an there's so many different people that, Claim to know what's happening, but at least this is on a Google domain, so you can be like, "Well, they own the search engine, so we might as well follow their gu- guidelines." Mm-hmm. Um, and I constructed a prompt. Well, there was a mix. There was like some of the suggestions were for how to think about your blog as a whole, um, and some were suggestions on how to uh, how to approach individual articles. Um, let me just pull one up so we have a specific. Example here. I don't want to get too abstract. Uh, Checklist for generating people-first content. That's what they call it, Mm -hmm. people-first content. Uh, Does the main heading or page title provide a descriptive helpful summary of the content? Um, Does the content provide substantial value when compared to other pages in search results? Um, What's another one? Does the content provide original and insightful analysis on interesting information beyond the obvious? This is what Google is telling everyone they need to pay attention to uh, if they want to create what Google considers uh, great content. Yeah. There's layers of interpretation here, like what is beyond the obvious? Uh, (laughs) And I think AI is really good at uh, working in this gray space where computer programs couldn't work before. So I said, uh, please evaluate the following blog post against the following questions give it a zero if the result is poor, give it one if it's decent, and then give it two points if it's great. Um, Make suggestions, tally up the score, uh, express the total as a percentage, and then give me a final output as a table so that I can kind of see where the weak point
1: is. And then I just
0: fed in all of the questions that applied to individual blog posts. And uh, I can share the link. But like I actually put the prompt, I wrote a little bit about it. And then I like used the prompt on the actual blog post to write about it as I was writing. Um, and it gives you a table. And it says, you're doing this really poorly. Here's an example of how you could improve it. You're doing this pretty well. Probably don't need to pay more attention to this. Um And this has just been an incredibly useful approach for dealing with uh, these strange spaces where you have principles but how do you actually apply them and if you're working with other people giving it a number saying okay this scored 11 points out of 20 uh makes it really clear like if we only have four or five hours to improve this post what are the specific areas that we need to like we can leave all of this stuff alone it's good enough let's just focus on answer doing a better job with these four questions
1: yeah and did you find um, it was accurate how did that how did that come? I found
0: that it, it bell curved up.
1: Oh. So
0: it was always more generous. And this is what teachers, uh, I don't know if this has changed with GBD4, but this is what teachers were reporting in blog posts or YouTube videos about using um, chatGBD to um, assess student work, not always student work, just to to, to evaluate stuff. Um, it, it It tends to be kinder than I would be. So I kind of get it. I ask it. bell curve it down and be a bit harsher and stricter and then it so it needs a little bit of calibrating like it seems to uh, give the blog post the benefit of doubt I think if you actively take that away and um, ask it to be a bit more severe then it's more accurate in my opinion being able to feed in a really clear example of what does a two look like like what is a poor example of a main heading or page title avoiding exaggeration or being shocking in nature. What is a really poor example of that? What is a possible example of that? And then what is a great example of that? If you can feed those into the prompt as well, uh, it gets much, much better. Mm. So this was a long way of saying that one of the... An approach that I've had some success with is building out rubrics based on principles of what makes repurposed content good or bad. Um, And then getting really clear examples of this is how not to do it. (laughs) This is a very specific example of how not to do it. And this is a really good example of how to do it. In these kind of gray areas where words can be interpreted, um, building a rubric, asking it to evaluate against a rubric, and then having examples of what good and bad, I got a lot out of this approach. Uh, And it might be a good place to start. And it's first I started doing it Like I would take a blog post and then run through it and then get a bunch of feedback and then kind of share that feedback with the writers. But then I was like, why am I doing this? I just gave people the prompts and be like, just run it yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you can get the, like, there's no, I didn't need to be the middleman there. Like people can just self-assess content or, um, repurpose content against a rubric. You get a bunch of feedback or suggestions out of that rubric and then you fold that feedback back into the repurposing process and say, okay, now repeat whatever we did, but take all of these things into account. That's one way that I've kind of made some progress around this messy area of, of uh, kind of vague principles or instructions or yeah. qu- more qualitative Things that are subjective.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Um, and it's also a good in- example of how you can get a lot more out of ChatGPT or Lms not necessarily just ChatGPT. Um, by doing this two or three step process where you kind of expand a set of instructions out, give it a bunch of examples, and then kind of fold the feedback back into the initial task that you were trying to um, accomplish.
1: Yeah, we have a few ethical questions that I'd like to go over. So yes. one idea we have was... Using other people's content to turn it into these prompts, um, and then establish guidelines based off of that. And so, what are your thoughts here?
0: I think uh, I think I'm very confused about <laughs> <laughs> what the correct way to do this would be. Yeah, obviously we have to give people credit. I don't think there's any question marks there. Like these are ideas we got from these this person. Um, I think the correct thing to do would then be to ask those people if they're okay with turning their ideas into a set of prompts that we share with people. Yeah. But I think it gets a bit complicated because, well, one, if we're not, like, if it's not... Uh, like, if we're not turning it into a product, that kind of changes the equation. Like, if we're profiting off of their information, that's one thing. Um, if we're not, then that's another thing. But we're kind of in the space where we have related products or this is, you know, um, this is a project that is then connected to our businesses. So that, right. that makes it a little bit complicated. If we don't get permission, do we stop, do we not touch the ideas completely because now that I understand that surely that's going to bleed into just the way that I approach thinking about repurposing. Of course,
1: which is how you know how things work outside of AI is you know you see you read somebody's somebody's email or somebody's Twitter post or community post on YouTube and you notice things you like about it. Okay, it's concise and they started with a compelling question. And so if I notice that and then decide to do that in my own content, am I stealing? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Not something, you know, that broad where, you know, it's not even the same niche necessarily. And I'm just saying, well, I like that they led with the question or I like that they sounded very down to earth, you know? And of course it is much more specific though, if you're taking the entire piece of content and feeding it into, into ChatGPT, then you're taking more of it than just a couple of takeaways. So it is a hard It's like, well, you sh- and on one hand it feels like you should be able to get inspiration from that. The same way if you made yourself a document of best practices based on, on content that you appreciated, is it different because it's taking the entire piece of content and not just certain principles from it? It's a hard question, but I, I agree I with also- you.
0: I suppose one argument could be, well, if you're copying their instructions verbatim, mm-hmm. that's over the line. Whereas if you're just inspired by it or you're, you're following the general direction, that's okay. But I don't think that applies anymore because changing verbatim content to something that is not verbatim, that means exactly the same thing. is just one prompt away now.
1: Absolutely. So And so are we talking about, let's clarify, are we talking about taking other people's prompts or other people's like specifically listed out best practices? Or are we talking about just taking the content, like, you know, taking some public piece of content and then having the AI software extrapolate from that?
0: A uh, good question. Uh, I think at this point we're talking about all of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I was like the, the meat of where I think this gets complicated. I was thinking of taking, so if someone's created a course um, on how to repurpose content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't have prompts. I think stealing other people's prompts word for word, uh, that's over the line. Like that's yeah. not okay, okay. Especially if you don't credit them. Yeah. I think it gets messy because you can't just reword the prompts very easily. And then, are you, so I mean, so like you said,
1: that. there's the same thing if, yeah. if, if, well, at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um,
0: but let's say they don't have prompts. They just, they've put some quality thought into what makes how to repurpose content and, Uh, what the principles are behind that process and what the steps are. And then if I do that course, think it's brilliant, and then turn that process into a series of prompts, where is the line there? Mm. So someone Mm. else's ideas and instructions and thought behind how to do something, I'm just effectively sampling their ideas and then turning them into a new format that can now be used at scale. loads and loads of people. Yeah. Assuming that we give them 100% credit, which I intend to do at every point, because I think that's just more interesting. Ethical issues aside, it's just more interesting when you can understand where ideas have come from and what aspects of different, you know, we got this from this book. And then this was, you know, this completely unrelated topic about singing that we've adapted to the, I think that just makes uh, the story about how things come together more interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The ethical issues. I don't know how other people are approaching this. I don't know. Uh, what the correct way to do it. I think if we can get permission from the people who have the ideas to avoid all um, confusion that would be ideal. I don't know how feasible that is in a lot of situations. Also like sometimes people aren't around anymore <laughs> um, mm. but they still have books that have great ideas. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I If you have clear ideas on this fantastic. If not that's something we can look into as we're doing the project and like, what, how are other people approaching this? Right. Um, I don't know what the rules are on turning other people's information into reusable prompts.
1: Yeah. I'd love to, yeah, to kind of figure out what is the general consensus on what's ethical. Also, we have quite a bit of resources as far as, you know, reaching people that for one make content. We have a lot of people in our community that make content that, would probably be willing to let us use their content to yep. kind of you know, figure out what is good about it. As far as people specifically in the space of like prompt generation, that might be a little harder, but you know, I would love to reach out to as many people as possible and see who wants to be on the podcast and who just wants to voluntarily let us use it. And like you said, it can be hard to get in touch with them, but we can get in touch with as many as we can and then yep maybe take it bit by bit based on the ones that we can't get in touch with, or maybe they're not around anymore. Um, maybe take those on a case by case basis and see, especially as we do more research on, on what people think about this in this space.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think we have an option at this point. Like that's what's yeah. going to <laughs> that's
1: what's we gonna happen. happen.
0: <laughs> we can. But yeah, I think if we have a, a more coherent understanding of where the boundaries are, by the end of the project, that would be a huge win. Cause I feel like this isn't a huge problem by comparison to the copyright disaster that's happening with image generation models. Um, but it is still a problem and it would be nice to understand where the boundaries are.
1: Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about what this will just look like on a day-to-day basis. I wonder if we even have to decide for sure right now, um, which platforms we're using. But on a day-to-day basis, uh, are you thinking that we we test things out together so you would be testing it out with your own content and I would be testing it with my content? Or are you thinking you would you know, kind of give me things to try out every day or I'm just going to be reaching out to these people, trying to get in touch with as many of them as possible while you work on other things? What are your ideas there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um- I have much less fixed ideas about this part of the process because I think that's fun um, of working with people is that you kind of get a sense of what works for us. I think uh, we have an added challenge of being time zone offset. (laughs) So (laughs) whatever we do is going to have to largely work asynchronously. I mean, we can get on calls every now and then, but it's not going to be our main, um, way of communicating. Yeah.
1: We're about 12 uh, hours. Is that right? 12 hours difference. I don't know
0: if you could be more time zone offset. No, <laughs> It's pretty it bad.
1: <laughs> but we'll make it work. We've got this. Yes.
0: Um, <laughs> well, I, so I'm in, I'm in the middle of this process. I'm going through a course on content distribution at the moment. My intention was to summarize what I've learned from it, share that with you, and okay. then what I have got from that course into a series of prompts as best I can. Okay. And then ask you to try them out with your content and be like, did these work? Yeah. And if not, where did they fall short? Or if they did work, what did you like about them? And then go from there. Uh, maybe that raises very specific questions that point us to the most useful course or series of questions to focus on next. Or maybe it's just tinkering and fine-tuning what we've got from that point.
1: And I think this will be great because I'm absolutely beginner with this stuff. So you're going to give me these prompts and I'm going to try them out and I'm going to run into problems. I'm sure. And if I document those well, then I think we'll have a really good baseline of things that other people are likely to run into too. It'll be very beginner friendly because you kind of have a Guinea pig to try it out with who is a beginner. And then we will learn too you know, how to, how to adapt it, not only for us, but I would love it if it could help our audience, our members of project 24 at some point, um, you know, or maybe, maybe it's a free, a free challenge resource that we give out. I'm not sure what that'll look like. We can figure that out later. Nothing has to be decided yet, but, um, you know, or maybe that's entirely yours and we just, we just, teach maybe the general principles that we learned from it and and use it to repurpose our own content I think documenting the process is really important whatever whatever I'm testing out for you I will try to document it really well on how it went what questions I had maybe what I struggled with unless I figure it out very quickly um, and just get a really solid understanding of how well it's working and what the struggles are
0: what's important for me Regardless of how we put it together, is if I bump into someone who was in the position I was, where it's like, oh, I'm spending all of this time creating content. Can AI take off some of the load of repurposing it and being able to like point them to a link or point them to a thing where they're like, oh, I can spend you know seven days going through this certain amount of time, and I'll have a really good understanding and a, and a, a good enough process by the end of it where I can just. Get that content distributed and repurposed and sent out so that yeah. as a content creator you can spend you can you can just put so much more of your attention and worry about creating really good content rather than having to stop in the middle of your process and then make sure that you've got enough energy and time for a repur- i'm not saying you're gonna get
1: no absolutely rid of that, I
0: don't think be, but kind of have that under control understand what the mechanics are there and be like okay i have uh, a system that works for me yeah um whether that's an email course or whether that's uh, something on uh, your platform or whether it's something on ours or both. I don't think that really matters at this point. But just making sure that there is a resource there that people can then when they have that problem go, oh, perfect, they've, you know, they spent a month figuring out what the problems were, what is possible right now, what the knobs are that you can customize. That is my intention for regardless of the format, what the actual um, Impact the final thing we create
1: is right. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the success metrics. I think that's gonna be the hard, the hard part right now is figuring out what that would look like. I'm tempted to just keep it as simple as the amount of content that we could make versus the amount of time. How much content we can make for how much time it costs, and then just keep the quality. It's kind of common sense of like yes, I think that quality was as good or better than something I would have came up with in the same amount of time. Or no, I don't think that quality was good enough. We could do, we could do something more concrete, like impressions or leads or traffic, like you were talking about. Um, But I mean, here we focus so much on creating good content and getting it out there. And there's so many variables when it comes to impressions and And views and things like that. I mean, the time of year, maybe the idea for the content. And so, you know, I think for me to have confidence using it going forward, I wouldn't have to necessarily see an increase in the numbers. I would just have to see that I, in my opinion, it was quality or as good quality as I would have put out there otherwise. Um, But what do you think about that? Because I'm open to ideas.
0: Yeah, I... I don't know. I think there's a danger in locking in on impressions and email leads Mm -hmm. because that's probably not the best metric for every project or person out there that wants to do this. Mm -hmm. One of the variables that, as we were discussing this, that came up was repurposing content could mean creating a one-to-one adaptation of a piece of content. So recently I had a blog post on AI in the construction space. And then I turned it into a Twitter thread on AI in the construction space. Okay, That's a one-to-one representation of the article. Not everything in the article, but it achieves the same purpose. Yeah, As opposed to later that week, me going onto Reddit and someone asked a question like, hey, does anyone have any information about hey how AI can be used in the construction space? And I was like, aha, well, given that you are, <laughs> I, I was in a really good position wow. to answer that question. And I used AI to kind of take my um, article, compare it to the other responses that have been given, and kind of fill in the gaps there. That is not a one-to-one representation. But it's still content repurposing. Yeah. Is that wildly more effective than creating a bunch of tweets and threads for your business or project? Or does it make no difference? I think having some number somewhere or some indication of if we're spending our 15 minutes each day just creating content for social platforms that we have no followers for, that nobody reads, and then if you take this slightly different approach where you go into forums and you answer relevant questions and, you know, you go you you, you go into question boards and you see, okay, how can I repurpose my content to provide useful answers? Maybe that takes twice as long, but it's like, you know, eight times more effective. I think just being able to question that or having some indication so that we can question that is important. I don't know what the answer is though, but that's my only concern.
1: Right. That makes sense. Absolutely. I think it'll depend on the platforms we decide on.
0: Yeah. I think we can just kind of take a call on what's important for us individually Mm -hmm. based on our platforms and what we want for our project. Like what what do we think is a, a useful metric for gauging whether or not this is working for our project and then we can just kind of pencil that in for now and and see if that necessarily needs to be more um specific like do we we need to set that in stone or can we just say look as long as you have some indication this is what Mm. we chose your project was different this is what you chose but having this number allowed us to answer these questions further down the road yeah Um,
1: And either way, tracking it. Yeah,
0: just some some indication. Yeah. Even if it's not great, just so that we know if one of the things is wildly more effective than the other.
1: Well, I think I'll talk to my team and figure out for sure which platforms we want to try the project on and maybe get their two cents on the criteria for success. Yeah. You know, spend a little bit more time playing with that idea and then hopefully really soon here, kick off this challenge and fill in our audience and the creator files of what that challenge is. Um, maybe that'll come in the form of some written content. Who knows, yep. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and then I think just working together, hopefully on a nearly daily basis, I'm thinking of, and yeah, it you know, won't always be calls because of the time change and, and things like that. But yeah, going back and forth and just trying things and documenting it and making as much progress as we can.
0: So two things that would be really helpful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I have a book that I'm going through at the moment. I can share that with you. I can also today kind of put together a list of other courses or articles that I had my eye on. Um, if you have bookmarks or courses or material for what makes good content good yes. uh, or what makes repurpose content good. Okay. Uh, specifically, generally, but also specifically for the channels that you end up deciding on. Okay. If, if there's if there's information for me to get started with there that's super super helpful um, and then the other thing which is a bonus but would just be so great um, is if there's any way given the resources we do zone in on
1: uh-huh.
0: if we could look into potentially interviewing them for the podcast absolutely because that i think one would uh help deal with the ethical issue of using their information like if they're if they're fully aware of it and they approve of it, that's great. And if they don't, then we can have a conversation about that. And I think that's really valuable. There's such a huge time gap between when these ideas were put down and how they're potentially using in those same ideas now with AI being a day to day reality. It would be really interesting to see how things have changed and how they're using AI at the moment, given that they're in the repurposing or content space.
1: Right. Yes, absolutely. I would love to try to interview whoever I can, just so that, you know, especially so that our audience can see how we are, what we're judging good content on and what strategies we are trying to implement with AI and, you know, like where is this all coming from? Because AI for me has been this thing of like, well, it seems amazing, but I don't, there's a gap and we've talked about this. There's this gap of like, the potential and the reality and especially of my understanding of it and just feeling like I can't quite fill that gap from what I understand to actually making it useful in a concrete way. And so I think the more we can take the audience behind the scenes, the more we can, you know, interview people on the podcast and really just be transparent about how we're coming up with all this. And you know, that doesn't necessarily mean we share the exact prompts if you don't want to, but but at least they know the thinking behind all of it and the reasoning and um kind of the philosophies and things like that.
0: Sure yeah no this this is really exciting and uh particularly exciting because we're asking a question as opposed to saying AI is king and uh, everyone has to use it and this is how you use it or saying no no stay away from AI like it not being an extreme conversation uh, and us just kind of going in uh and trying to figure out what can actually be done on a practical level um, is what I think makes this uh, the most interesting. You just said uh, whether we want to share the prompts or not, I'm all for sharing the prompts. Great. Like, I, I If there's a reason for us not to, fine. And we might get into that with the ethics. If people aren't comfortable, if we're using ideas and they're not comfortable with us, sharing, fine. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think one of the main motivations for turning this into something like a challenge at the end that people can do is because I want to, like, we're going to have our take and our point of view on how to do all of this stuff. And then as soon as other people start using it, uh, there's just going to be so many different perspectives and so many different ways and so many different, oh, you could have done it like this. and That's much better. So I, I'm really looking forward to, once we have something usable, going out, trying it with real people. And then seeing all the ways they change it or reinterpret it or do it better or adapt it to their style of content. So, yeah, I think uh, giving people the prompts and giving people a way to actually do this uh, is a really important part of it.
1: Yeah, it'll be like a tree of ideas and and with every person that learns about it, we'll get more and more, um, yeah, adaptations and it's so exciting. Yeah, I would love for people to be able to to use this and just see what comes out of it because... That's kind of the whole idea of doing these challenges is so that if one works well, other people can emulate it, whether they do a challenge that's as extreme as what we did or a little bit less, they can, you know, hopefully repeat it and get the similar results for their own projects. And yeah, I just, I love that we're playing around with this. I don't know. Do you know of other people that are, you know, taking a similar like disciplined approach to trying to figure out, Prompts that work really well specifically for repurposing content.
0: No, mm. I do not. If I did, then I would just use their work. Like I, <laughs> that's a big part of why I want to do this because uh, I haven't found it. And I think also in the AI space there is a lot of um, protecting uh, your prompts. Mm. Uh, this idea of if if someone has figured out how to use AI incredibly well. The incentive to write a blog post and share the secret sauce with everyone is quite low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we were putting our blog together for daisy chain and we could only research what people had written about. Uh, especially in the trading space and, and financial like using AI in the financial space. There's obviously people out there doing incredible things but are not sharing any of it. We only got the stories that were shareable and people took the time to share um so to answer your question i'm sure there are people out there doing incredible things with repurposing prompts i don't think they've written about it and if they have and it's something out there i'm sure we'll bump into it over the next course of the next month
1: yeah but not so much a public project which is what i want this to be so
0: yeah yeah yeah,
1: we'll we'll be the first if not and if if there's somebody else out there then hopefully we run into them Awesome. Well, thank you so much Josh. This conversation has been so interesting. I think this challenge will be my favorite yet. Um, I'm really excited.
0: Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, I Fantastic. will be checking in every single day to to make progress on this. So.
0: Lovely. Well, yeah. thank you very much and um yeah. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and uh speak to you soon.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being on. See ya.